soon as people start popping in, I'll start talking. It's funny because I get to see like us just sitting here when it's recorded. Yeah, exactly. When I put it on the website, I always you know chop off Trim the first like 30, 40 seconds. At least you can see us just like hanging just out. Just chilling yeah. out. Yeah. The scene. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's a people. Yeah, you'll, you'll see them come down at the bottom. They'll start showing it. Let me see that. Who's this person? Amos? Yeah, there we go. Now hey, Amos. Still... Hey, Jason. Now we're hey. What's up, Ralph? People are flooding in here. That's right. Here they come. All right. Here we go. All right, we're good set. What is going on, everyone? My name is Michael Hartman. I'm the owner of Formal Fitness Training, and you are joining us for the third monthly series a coffee with the trainer today i am joined with none other than the italian stallion stefano sarge this guy and i go back about two years at this point um we attended the tony robbins conference together saw gary vaynerchuk together so we've, he's all about the personal development and growing himself as a trainer much like myself have a lot of respect for this guy so i'm gonna let him take it away tell them a little bit about yourself stefano Hey guys, so for those of you that don't know me, I am Stefano Sarge. Um, I've been personal training for a little bit over two years now. Um, I work specifically at Y Missing and Exeter Fitness and Training. Um, certification wise, I have my certified exercise physiologist through the American College of Sports Medicine, my CSCS through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, I really like to focus in on holistic, functional style training. Um, just anything I can do to help you live a better life in your everyday activities. Very cool. Very cool. So what this show is all about is you guys can type in your questions that you have any at any point during the show and we'll try and get to them. We have some preloaded questions here which Stefano and myself will both take a stab at and try and help you guys improve your health, your fitness, and your lives in general. So first one we have here is how often should I take a day off from lifting weights and working out? I'll let you go first on that. So my best answer I can give anyone, because everybody is different, um, always focus on what your body is telling you. So um, some people like to go five days a week, but you need to vary your programming. You're not gonna be doing maximum like back squats five days a week. That's not, it's not good for your body. Your body's gonna adapt or it's gonna break down. Um, again, if you depends on how much time you have too. If you only have three days a week to work out, maybe every other day is your rest day. Um, I like to consider too, like if your your rest doesn't necessarily mean I can't work out at all. Maybe that rest day is you're going for a walk or you're going for a bike ride or you know you're just hanging out with friends. You just you know go for a little hike. Yeah, that's true. I, I really think it does depend on the the intensity of the working out and things like that. If you're somebody that's training, you know, five six days a week really mm -hmm. hard for six seven months. You know, you might need to take a full week off just to let your body fully recover. If you have some minor injuries and things like that, you might need to take some additional time off for that too. But as Stefano said, you know, there's gonna be moments where it's appropriate to do additional foam rolling, additional stretching. It doesn't always have to be pounding the weights in the gym. Mm -hmm. Although it's, it's a fun thing to do, but- Absolutely. Always everything in moderation. <laughs> Absolutely. That pretty much covers that one as far as I'm concerned. Um, the second one kind of ties into that in a little bit is how often should I train each body part? And I think this really depends on the individual. Yeah. But let's say um, somebody trying to, you know, build maximum amounts of muscle and hypertrophy. How often do you think they would want to train each muscle group? Good question. Um, I would say too, again, like 
like Mike just mentioned, it depends on your goal and what you're trying to do. So specifically, if you're trying to gain like more muscle mass, more hypertrophy, even if you're going into strength, um, once a week can help you build and maintain, but if you can start hitting things two times a week, that'll help you maximize for strength and getting stronger. Um, again, it's all based on your body. If you can start with one time a week, get everything one time a week, get those days in. If you can start adding on two times a week, don't be afraid to start putting work, like work together. Like instead of maybe just doing like a chest day, a back day, you wanna get things in twice a week, maybe do a push pull day where you're working in supersets. You're doing maybe a bench press mixed in with a bent over row back to back. Yeah, and, and let's face it, um, it's one of those things where when you're looking at how often you're training, it's not gonna matter if you're not properly fueling your workouts and properly properly recovering from your workouts. So make sure you know your nutrition is lined up with what you're trying to do with your workouts. And if that's something you're not too familiar with, you know, one of us would be happy to sit down with you and help map out your nutrition for your workouts. Basically, at the end of the day, if you come to the gym and you don't have the appropriate amounts of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in your system, your workout's gonna suffer in one way or another. If it's not during the workout, it's gonna be in the recovery. So if you find that you're sore for three, four, five days after a workout, there's probably something missing either in your recovery or from the nutrition side of things. 100%. So that covers how often you should train each week. So benefits of creatine monohydrate. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions about that lately and I'll, I'll give my interpretation first and foremost. Um, creatine, basically, especially when you're looking at a, an HCL, a hydrochloride creatine, where it's very micronized, very processed. It's one of those things where once it gets into your into your muscle tissues, your muscles are going to hold a little bit more water. And by your muscles holding a little bit more water, that's going to prevent injury in some capacity, which is a good thing. So you're going to get a little bit more of a hypertrophy response when you're working out. The secondary aspect of creatine HCL, which really helps you, is your endurance. So if you're finding that you're usually bench pressing 225 pounds for five reps maybe, if you have that creatine in your system at the right dosage for your own personal body, so if you're like a 140 pound woman, it might be around five grams per day is ideal for you. If you're Stefano in my size, you might be closer to 20 grams per day with our training capacity. But basically what creatine will do is give you a little bit more water in the muscles and a little bit more endurance within your workout. So that 225 might go up six or seven times with the help of creatine monohydrate. It's always good to combine that with a caffeine source if you're not caffeine sensitive as well, that reduces your perceived exertion. So you're actually gonna be able to work out a little bit harder, a little bit longer. And that's pretty much all I have to say about creatine. Creatine, um, one thing I, I agree with Mike, one thing I definitely wanna to touch on, and I heard this, um, and it, may, it makes 100% sense to me as far as, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm just gonna take creatine, I'm gonna get big, I'm gonna get strong, like just from taking creatine. Um, the creatine itself doesn't do that to you. It allows you to do more work so that your body can do that for you. Um, but also don't forget, um, if you think just by, I heard this off a podcast and a guy by the name of Stan Efferding said this, if you just think that taking creatine is going to take your workout like to the next level, but you're not sleeping properly, again, like Mike mentioned earlier, not having your proper nutrition, I'll take out the profanity that he used, but you know, it, it's a stupid thing to do. It's not just going to change your, like change your life. Um, make sure you're doing that as a supplement to all the other healthy aspects that you need to take care of as well. Yeah, and Jason Holbrook, Brooke, um, I would say before and after. Mm -hmm. So if you're appropriate, if say you weigh 200 pounds, I don't know you, so I would say you know if you weigh like 200 pounds, 10 grams of creatine per day would be ideal for you. So you would look at be looking at five grams with your pre-workout, 
and then five grams with your post-workout protein shake if you do that type of thing, or you can take it as a standalone supplement as well. Um, Jill, I see your question there about branched-chain amino acids. I think they do really have a play with muscle soreness overall, but the most important thing to look at is making sure you're getting about one gram of protein per ideal body weight per day. You're gonna get a lot of amino acids mixed in from your whole food sources, so you don't need to be carrying a jug of branched-chain amino acids each and every day um, <laughs> to help with the muscle soreness. Just make sure you're getting the right amount of protein, mm -hmm. staying hydrated, and that'll all help with your muscle soreness. And then there's one about resistance bands. What are your thoughts on that? Um, that actually, so we have a question from my, actually my cousin Maria. Thoughts on resistance bands, yay or nay? Um, so that actually takes into another question that I got from someone else about like home workouts and different things like that. I think resistance bands are a great tool to use um, when you're at home. Um, obviously not everybody's gonna go out and buy a barbell or a ton of dumbbells and heavy weights. You don't, everybody doesn't need that. Um, resistance bands again will also help with um, a lot of tension on your joints. So I definitely do like resistance bands for working on strength and endurance. Um, what's nice about resistance bands too, it's a variable resistance. Um, so when you're using them, the further, like let's say if I'm doing a row and I have it tied around a pole or a door or something, and I'm pulling back, the further back I go, the heavier it gets. If it's too light for me, I can either grab a heavier band or two, I can just take a couple of steps back and increase my resistance on the fly. So that's nice, so I'm not unloading and loading up weights, changing the pins on a machine. Um, so I do definitely like resistance bands and there's a lot of different exercises you can do. Yeah, and it completely changes the, the mode too. Mm -hmm. So your cables, you have the same range of motion. Mm -hmm. It's the same weight throughout. Mm -hmm. Your dumbbells, there's gonna be a point of no return. So you could be doing a bicep curl and you get to about here. All of a sudden from here to here, you're not actually getting that full 15 or 20 pounds that the dumbbell is. It might be weighing nothing because you're at a mechanical advantage. Mm -hmm. With the bands, if you're using a large resistance band at the very bottom, it might be 10 pounds and up here it might be 25 pounds. So you're actually teaching your muscles to get stronger throughout the range of motion mm -hmm. and you're stabilizing the agonist muscle groups while you're working the antagonist at the same time. Of course. So that's a good thing. And we had a question about home exercise and I mean that's for me that's the number one thing. You know, mm -hmm. if you're gonna start doing a home routine, get yourself a good set of bands. Mm -hmm. Bodyelastics.com, they have sets for like sixty nine to hundred and fifty dollars and you can do thousands of things with those exercises. So feel free to look them up and you know, we are all, we're both well versed on resistance bands. So if you need some help setting up a routine for at home, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out. But yeah, great questions so far with those guys. I appreciate those. Um, Stefano is an accomplished power lifter. He actually did his <laughs> first meet, what, about six months ago? Mm -hmm. And he did very well. So I, I've been getting a question a lot and my one friend and training partner has been asking me about how can he get stronger, you know, without packing on weight on the midsection? How can he get stronger on his core three lifts, which if you don't know what those are, generally in most circles, they are referred to as the bench press, the squat, and the deadlifts. I guess it depends on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. Those are considered the three core lifts of powerlifting. So how can you put on mass and strength without gaining a belly, and is it possible? I say yes. Um, it all goes back again to your nutrition. Um, so I, even if we take powerlifting out of it, I get that question a lot is, what exercise can I do to get rid of this or to get rid of that? It's not possible to target fat over your body. We can build up more muscle in that area and it might make the tone look different, but um, it goes back to your nutrition. So if you're trying to get stronger, making sure again, like Mike mentioned earlier, you're getting adequate amount of protein first and then you work your calories around your goal. So 
If you know you're gonna be working at a lot higher intensity, you might need to bump your calories a little bit, but you don't wanna fill those calories with cupcakes and ice cream and different things like that. Make sure you're staying on your diet, but you're just making it a little bit bigger, um, getting in um, healthy fats, your, you know, your, your good sources of protein. Um, so that's the way that you can do that without adding on that extra like midsection fat. Because a lot of times people think like, oh, I need to get bigger to be stronger, and they're just eating everything just to get bigger, and that doesn't always help. Yeah, unless you have a, a freak metabolism where you're one of those 1% of people that can eat whatever they want and stay lean, mm-hmm. which isn't always a good thing because there's, there's something that's been getting thrown around a lot, you know, skinny fat. Yep. Somebody that can eat whatever they want and they look great on the outside, they might be strong or whatever, but and they're, they feel like they can do anything, but on the inside, you know, their arteries are clogging, their cholesterol's high, mm-hmm. you know, so don't always think that when you're looking at somebody that's skinny that they're necessarily in shape. They're healthy, yeah. Yeah, and then the second point to that is he said you can't burn fat, you can't tell the body where to burn fat from the body, and that's what we talk about, spot reducing. You know, a lot of clients come in and they say, hey, hey, Mike, how do I get rid of the part if you can see that where my arm doesn't wave when I wave to somebody? <laughs> I get this all question the all the time. And it's like, well, you can build up the muscles in the tricep over time mm-hmm. and you can reduce your overall body fat percentage. But we're not going to be able to get it right from there mm-hmm. without going under the knife, which I totally don't recommend. So, yeah, good question there. I know um, that answer that I gave you for putting on size is going to infuriate a couple of my powerlifting friends they love to eat like their gummy worms and their sour patch between sets <laughs> yeah i mean you just you bring up another a secondary point there it's yeah. like you know maybe not between sets but when you're in a in a muscle building and strength training program there's totally a place for extra dextrose and mm-hmm. and and even you know if, if you're okay with the health potential side effects of high fructose corn syrup i mean post-workout i mean jay cutler was one of those guys in professional bodybuilding that post-workout he went on record, he used to drink four Coca-Colas training for the Olympia post-workout to spike his insulin so he could continue his recovery and keeping his protein high along with that, you know, it's so it's it's possible that you can actually have your candy and things like that if you're on that type of program post-workout. Mm-hmm. Forget about it the rest of the day, but when you're at an insulin deficit and you want to spike your insulin to help drive that protein into the muscle cells, improving your protein synthesis, there's room for that. Mm-hmm. So those powerlifting guys, they don't have to get totally angry at us. Yeah. We can just say, you know, 100 to 200 grams post-workout might be all right, depending mm-hmm. on your program. Yeah. As long as you don't finish the rest of that bag throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Once you pop, you can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. All right. Number five that we have here is we got a lot of these. Stefano put up a post that basically said if you had any last-minute questions to get on the show. And there was so many people talking about how they can't control what they're putting in their bodies at late at night. Mm-hmm. Late night snacking and you know, you go have a couple drinks and you start eating cheesesteaks and fries. I mean, that was coming up a lot. And I have that's respect col- for that's that. That's college right there. Yeah, because that <laughs> that's college right there and that's that's a very popular problem. Mm-hmm. Normally for me, from my standpoint, overeating comes from not eating enough during the day Mm -hmm. you know if you skip a bunch of meals chances are you know you're gonna have a bigger dinner your insulin's gonna start skyrocketing for the first time all day you're gonna have that crash while you're watching TV you're gonna be reaching for whatever fast digesting carbs you get your hands on cereal fruit things like that just to keep yourself awake to watch that mind-numbing TV Mm -hmm. So, you know, what else do you have on that? Um, Mike brought up a good point. So he mentioned insulin. So what insulin is, is the, 
the, um, the substance that your body excretes to, again, kind of control your blood sugars, bring your blood sugars back down, kind of bring you back to homeostasis, a baseline. Um, so what happens a lot of time with cravings, even at night or even during the day, your, your blood sugar is going like this all day long if our diet isn't controlled and we're not eating you know, the, the micronutrients and the nutrients that we need. So if, you, if it's like this all day long, you're constantly trying to find food and your body is telling you, hey, I need X, Y, and Z as far as micronutrients or vitamins and minerals. And in your head, you think like, oh, I really want some chocolate. Maybe you need some magnesium. You don't have, you're not deficient in chocolate. Um, and shout out to, um, to Alyssa Lascala for that one because that was a good line that I heard from her. Um, but anywho, you're, you're trying to keep yourself at a baseline. So working on, on your gut health, the things you're putting in your body, finding those good substitutions for yourself so that when you get to nighttime, or you get to the weekend, you're not overeating or overindulging t to the max. Yeah, keep the stuff out of your house too. <laughs> and that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, this, we're two of the realest trainers you'll ever find. You know, we struggle with the same thing that you guys do. And if it's in the house, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna eat it, and that's gonna be a problem. So Christmas, Halloween, holidays, things like that. People give you gifts. That's great accept them graciously but if they overwhelm you with sweets and cookies and cakes and things like that get rid of them you know after the holidays are over just just get rid of them they're not helping anybody <laughs> i know i know it's hard I'm, I'm i come from an italian family so when you go over to a house you're like hey i can't eat that or hey why don't you take this home with you like and you say no i get it's like I, the world's over and i'm the rudest person in the world but you just sometimes you just have to stick to it and then people will start to understand time after time um, and it's not it's not a rude thing to do it's hey like this doesn't fit or my goals and what I want to do um, and you always have to think anytime you're doing something how does it help you how does it hurt you what are the pros and cons if you know my goal is hey I want to lose I even for a health reason I need to lose 10 pounds in three four five weeks and I'm gonna go eat you know a box of Oreos shout out to James Spies um, <laughs> You know, how, how is that going to help me? How is it going to hurt me? Is that getting me towards my goal? Is that taking me three steps back? And it's not a bad thing. If you do do that, get back on your diet again. But, you know, you have to recover from that. It just slows you down. Freddie, do not bring them to us. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Freddie, if you bring them to us, we dispose of them yourself. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, so we have one more. We have another one on the screen here about um, what's the difference between adrenal fatigue or essential nervous system fatigue and uh, just being overly tired. This is something that you can touch on this one with supplemental wise. Yeah, I kind of brought this to the attention of a lot of the guys that work here, and a lot of them kind of followed my lead on this, and they've kind of straightened that out. Um, adrenal fatigue, the difference between that versus just being overly tired. Overly tired is when you're getting the right amount of sleep. And you're, and you're still not functioning at the highest capacity, where adrenal fatigue is where you wake up, you drink two cups of coffee, and the coffee does nothing for you. Mm -hmm. You don't wake up, you don't get any energy from the coffee, you're still just as drained as you were prior to taking the coffee. That generally means your cortisol levels are here, and your adrenal function is here. So you literally have no adrenal function, and your cortisol is sky high, which puts you in a fat building state. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna store fat and a muscle wasting state, which is catabolic, muscle cat catabolism. So basically, there's a product that I always recommend that's called Adrenal Restore, and quite a few of the guys that are here have taken it, and they said that they noticed big differences. Basically, you go about 30 days without caffeine, and what this does is it helps take care of the headaches that you would get from not being on the caffeine, 
and it lowers the cortisol levels back to a baseline, gets your kidneys and your adrenal function back to normal, and then after the 30 days, that half a cup of coffee, which previously did nothing for you, will now do what it's supposed to, which is give you a little mental focus, give you a little bit of energy, and now your cortisol is at a baseline again, so you don't need as much caffeine, so now you can actually start losing weight again. A side effect to that supplement sometimes is weight loss because your caffeine can actually prevent you from losing weight if you're one of those people that it spikes your cortisol. Mm -hmm. So that's just something to keep in mind there. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting a call from Domino's. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that pretty much that pretty much should answer that for you, Jason. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to look into that, um, it's firstform.com is a good place for that. You can send me an email and I can give you a link to get free shipping on that and things like that. I'm a brand rep for that, full disclosure. Um, number six, what is the ideal rep range that I should be training for for optimal muscle development? It's a question that is thrown around all day, every day. I get it all the time. Um, there's different there's different charts out there that even will tell you scientifically if you're looking for muscle development you lift between this range if you're looking for strength you lift between this range um, so specifically for muscle development from for me and my understanding I always go through anywhere from like 8 to 12 repetitions if you're just working for hypertrophy um, even building up some strength if you're going it lower than that um, it will still help with muscle growth um, but again, eight to 12 repetitions in there, and then you want to work on volume. What would you say as far as sets would be optimal? Amount of sets per exercise or total? Uh, total, so if you're doing eight to 12 reps, how much do you want to do? So I think when you're starting out, when you're looking at small muscle groups, mm -hmm. seven to nine sets per working muscle group for smaller muscle groups, biceps, triceps, shoulders, traps, and then when you're looking at chest, back, you're probably 12 to 15 sets, and when you're looking at legs, your overall volume is probably gonna be 20 to 25 because you have to hit your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings, and your calves. Yes, the legs are a group that you must be training. Yes, build up your trunk where the tree falls down. Yep, so anybody watching that doesn't train the legs, that's that's a no-no. You mm -hmm. have to train the legs, and not just the calves, just because they're the only thing showing under the shorts. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I believe in, and um, you know, and then you can build the volume from there. So if you're starting out at seven sets for biceps and triceps, after you've been training for three or four months, you can bump that up to nine or ten. Mm -hmm. But don't get to the point where you're in the gym for two hours. There is no need to be in the gym for more than an hour and fifteen minutes if you're doing things the right way at the right pace. The exception Efficient. being Efficient. powerlifting. Mm -hmm powerlifting you can spend three hours in the gym and be productive because you're taking longer set periods mm -hmm. um, longer rest periods between mm -hmm. sets so and two points I just want to piggyback off that you brought up a good one right at the end um, and if any of you guys are confused like when he's when Mike says 7 10 15 20 sets that doesn't mean sit on a bench for 20 sets what he means there is you're gonna have various exercises and maybe you split them up you do three sets you know on the bench rest. you do three to four sets if you're doing you know, like an incline dumbbell press. Um, it's not all 10, 15, 20 sets in one exercise. Um, and the second one, like you mentioned, um, having that longer period of rest time, where that's relevant, so your rest. I know a lot of people, and I have like some clients too, like when you just have to slow down a little bit. So if you're doing, you know, I'm doing a set of five sets of five, like of a heavy deadlift, I'm not gonna sit there, I'm not gonna do five sets, stand up and go right back to the bar and do five sets. So I need to take an optimal rest um, and that changes based on how heavy you're going, how many reps you're doing. If you're doing, you know, like circuit training and you're doing two to three exercises in a set, 
Um, let's say you're doing 10 to 12 reps. Maybe you do your circuit. You maybe take a 10 second kind of to get to the next exercise, but you're gonna take 30 to 45 seconds between. Um, and if that's way too long of a break, maybe you're not using the right intensity there. Um, and that's a whole nother story. But when you get into heavier lifts, like let's say you're doing your, your deadlift, I finish my set of five, maybe I have to wait anywhere from one and a half to two minutes. And then I get enough energy and my body replenishes itself and I can go back into that set again. Yeah, and, and there's also, you know, same thing that you're saying, there's two other points that I, I could touch on here as well. Um, muscle stagnation, you know, um, mm -hmm. something that people don't really think about as well is, you know, we're talking about the optimum rep ranges. Well, if you've been doing the same rep ranges for six months, six years, even six weeks, mm -hmm. you know, it's good to change the reps to build diversified muscle tissue. I, I said this, I believe, in the, in the podcast or whatever you want to call it, it's Facebook Live with Danielle. Um, muscle diversification is much like the stock market. So <laughs> if you're going to do two sets of everything for a couple months, maybe bump it up to four sets for a couple months. You know, two to three reps if you want to build some explosive strength and power, 20 to 25 reps if you want to do something completely different. And there's even a thing out there called century sets where they do things for 100 reps. So you do a bench press for 100 reps, and that's just something where you completely shock the system. 100 overhead presses, 100 bench presses, 100 bent over rows, and 100 squats. 100 overhead presses sounds yeah. hardly, I don't like that. Exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> I might, don't like that at all. Might not be using a lot of weight, but I mean, it's, it's different. You're yeah. gonna build diversified muscle tissue for that, and I, I think that's, you know, it's important. And that know. touches on a good point. Um, your body will adapt if you're going for strength, endurance, um, hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, um, you, you do have to change your training. You don't want to just train the same way all the time. Your body is going to adapt, and then it's just going to stay baseline all the time, no matter what you do. And shocking the system, like Mike mentioned, is I know a lot of people that will think like, oh, I'm just going to throw in like a drop set, or I'm going to go r really heavy this day. Shocking your system is when you change up your program, um, when you change up your program from doing, let's say if I'm doing hypertrophy training, maybe I want to go into some like strength training or you know, maybe for a couple of weeks, I'm going to work on, you know, like joint stability. Um, and that's just another way just to vary it up. Yeah, and, and joint stability, you know, that's something John and I touched on as well. You know, if you're coming into the gym, first and foremost, you should take a good look at your injuries, your deficiencies, and where your body's currently at. If you're if your one shoulder is weaker than the other, that's something you kind of want to address before you start doing heavy bench presses. Mm -hmm. If you can't get close to 90 degrees on a squat without pain, obviously you probably shouldn't be squatting. There's just all kinds of things like that that you should pay attention to. Um, no pain, no gain is a very antiquated comment that's thrown around the fitness industry. No discomfort, I agree with, yeah. but pain is completely different than discomfort. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll take it in a second. Um, but again, to touch on that, if you do have like muscular imbalances and deficiencies, that's something that we can definitely help you address if maybe if you don't know. Um, you might not know until you see. Um, and again, something I like to tell a lot of people is earn your right to progress. So if, you're, if your goal is, hey, I want to you know, learn how to do a barbell back squat, um, but you can't squat on the ground without a weight, without your heels coming off the floor, you have to address that before we put 100 pounds on your back. You can't load up 100 pounds and not support it. It's not good for your spine. Yeah, absolutely. Very true. So we have a question from the Exeter Fitness and Training that we get from members, we get from clients, we get from friends, get from family. Random people I don't even know message me <laughs> and ask me this question. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Um, so we can both touch on this one. Uh, to focus more on fat burning, should you do cardio before or after weight training? What do you think there? I'm a big believer in getting rid of the glycogen first. So if you're going to weight train, you're going to burn a lot of your protein and your fats, or no, your carbohydrates and your fats during the workout, right? And you're going to take care of all the glycogen they have in your system. Let me rephrase that. So if you're coming into the workout and you had 300 grams or 300 calories, basically, during the workout, you're going to burn most of the protein and the carbohydrates that you gave your body in excess. Mm-hmm. Glycogen is going to be down to a minimal, which is like the whole idea of the ketosis diet and carb cycling, intermittent fasting. A lot of that basically puts your insulin resistance up because your glycogen is down. So. Suffice to say, if you burn all that off during your weight training session, then you jump on the bike and you do you know, 65 to 80% or you do sprints or any type of cardio activity, you're gonna burn primarily fat. Mm-hmm. So I believe in doing it after almost exclusively. Before it should just be a quick warm up to make sure your joints are lubricated and things like that. The secondary side point of that is you could do it first thing in the morning, black coffee or a little bit of branched chain amino acids then do your cardio because you're kind of in a fasted state. So research is kind of a little sketchy, but it seems to lead in the direction of you're going to burn more fat in a fasted state or a glycogen depleted state. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else to say about that? Um, No, I do agree with that. I always like to mention um, that when you're going into your weight training, you want to think, where do you want to use most of your energy? You want to focus on the strength training. You want your focus to be in the stability. You want the focus to be in getting into whatever goal that it was that you had with weightlifting. So put all of that energy into your strength training and then use that cardio. I don't want to call it a burnout because it's not always a burnout, but like Mike mentioned, use what you want to do. So if you're trying to burn fat, you're not going to burn it in the weightlifting session, really, like most of the time, depending on what you're doing. But use that now so that you're in the state where you're in the optimal state to burn fat. Go into your cardio after, and now you're not running the risk of over-exhausting yourself in the cardio session and now you get to the weight session you're like i'm so tired i don't want to do this anymore i'm sweating up a storm and i can't even breathe and now i have to go lift 315 pounds <laughs> yeah true true story yeah we have a lot of great questions here and we're just going to try and get on a few more here we're not going to try and keep this extremely long or anything like that but um stefano had one that was about healthy meal prep ideas how do I keep carbohydrates down, even the healthy ones, and how, how can I set up a meal prep basically to keep it efficient and, mm-hmm. and manageable for the everyday person? Mm-hmm. So what I like to do, um, obviously you're gonna eat similar styles of food depending on what you like. I, I'm not sure, what, I don't like the word diet. The word diet is in it, it's gonna stop at some point. So always focus on like, um, you're there's like a healthy eating lifestyle find what works for you um, so if it's paleo keto intermittent fasting um, you know going on fast for long periods of time whatever it is find the one that works for you if you don't like a lot of fat you're not gonna like keto it's just hundred percent you're eating 75% of your calories and fat yep. um, so find what works for you and then stick with that you want it to be a lifestyle change you want it to last for a long long period of time um, so again when you're building up your meal prep ideas, based it around the foods that you like, um, within moderation too, because if you're a big fan of cake, you're not gonna make your meal preps around cake. Um, so but you could. 
Um, anywho, getting into that, so like, let's say if you like, let's say you know if you eat a lot of chicken and you're eating chicken all the time, um, one you can swap that out for another healthy meat source. Or um, what I like to do too is just really dive into spices. Um, you don't have to be a master chef. Um, you can try out different spices, different flavorings. Um, a little bit of salt won't hurt. Um, as long as you're not getting salt from processed foods that you're eating throughout your day. Um, definitely focus on the spices. They have some pre-made blends that you can try. Um, definitely switch that up. Vegetables, I know some people get bored of like the same, like oh, I eat broccoli every day. Switch it up. Broccoli has, it actually isn't even like the best vegetable for you to eat, like micronutrient wise. Um, they're usually the darker the green, the better. So focus on your spinach, your kale. Um, I think arugula. If you're going for lettuce, focus more on like romaine and different things like that versus your iceberg, which is primarily just like putting green water in your mouth. Um, but yeah. Yeah, shout out to Texas Pete, Rocky's Hot Sauce. <laughs> Frank's Red Frank's Hot. Frank's Red Hot. <laughs> so we get that question a lot yeah. too. Uh, condiments. So if you're trying to lose fat, what are the best condiments? Well, first of all, your salad dressings, you want to stick to your olive oil-based vinaigrettes, um, oil and vinegar-based vinaigrettes. Um, mustard is almost always fair game, and hot sauce is almost always fair game. Ketchup, you got to watch. Because a lot of them have high fructose corn syrup, a lot of them have a lot of added sugars. Um, barbecue sauces are almost exclusively no-no unless you're trying to build muscle, mm -hmm. because that's a lot of sugar. Two tablespoons of barbecue sauce is very close to that of a Mountain Dew, so that's something you want to pay attention to there. So yeah, stick your mustards, your hot sauces, and your vinaigrettes, and that's going to keep everything moving in the right direction for fat loss. Yeah, when I lowered, because I eat more of a lower carb style diet, when I lowered my carbs down and I saw how many carbs were in barbecue sauce, I almost cried. It's sad. <laughs> I almost it's cried. Delicious. It's so yeah. good, but it's so chock full of sugar. Yeah, and then this, the meal prep ideas, um, I was just gonna touch on one point where if any of you wanna send me a message, I have a great document. It's called um, the approved food list. Basically, it gives you all your proteins, all your carbohydrates, all your vegetables on one sheet, and then it's very, very easy to figure out your meals based upon that. You just pick A, B, and C. Three meals, eat that for the week, You know, put them in Tupperware containers, pull them from the freezer daily. It's very, very simple. Meal prep doesn't have to take more than an hour and a half, and if you don't have an hour and a half, you gotta start looking at your time management more mm -hmm. more than likely yeah um, and number two uh, just tying into that was another question we had was a lot of what types of diets work best for who mm -hmm. and Stefano touched on this saying that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach mm -hmm. I believe even in the weight room there's gonna be programs that work really really well for certain types of people so diets are no different you know one program works for Stefano doesn't work for me doesn't work for anybody else but the types of diets for who so if you want to take a good look at different diets if there's one that you're interested in say you want to do paleo try it for a month mm -hmm. take your waist take your hip take your chest measurements take your weight don't exclusively look at weight because guess what you can lose seven to ten pounds of water weight and glycogen in about six days going keto that doesn't mean that's body fat mm -hmm. and then it's going to slow down to one to two pounds a week after that so once you get to the point where you stall out or you know, you're thinking maybe that wasn't the perfect diet for me, say you lost five pounds on paleo in a month. You thought you could have did better. Well, find somebody that can set you up on a good macro plan for carb, carb cycling or intermittent fasting. That's another thing you can try. There's the Mediterranean diet. There's thousands of diets upon thousands of diets. Mm -hmm. Cabbage soup diet. I don't know 
don't know where that one got its, its wings, but it exists. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where there's guys out there that will tell you I ate nothing but McDonald's and I lost weight. Well, that just is simply calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. If they were eating 5,000 calories a day and then they switched to nothing but McDonald's, 2,000 calories a day, guess what? They're gonna lose weight. Mm -hmm. So don't buy into the hype. Make sure you do your own research, know your own body, Give yourself a solid month of trying something before you decide whether it works for you or not. That's all I'll say on that. I agree 100% there. I think adherence, so sticking to something, is probably the biggest killer of goals. Mm -hmm. um, you, somebody tries something, they either, one, don't like it, or maybe did it incorrectly and they didn't get the result they wanted, or something hurt, or they didn't, you know, something happens like that, and then you just, you fall off of it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, now I give up. Um, you definitely just test it out like Mike said, you know, really see if it gets wings for you and goes. If not, maybe you have to switch to something else. But give it a chance first, like specifically an example of like a keto style diet. You're going to start out on there, your carbs are going to come down, your body's going to freak out like why did you take this energy source out of my body? And then it takes a little bit to transfer and start burning fat instead of the carbohydrates. So in that time, you're going to be tired, you're going to be cranky. I'm gonna to wanna to wring Mike's neck. I'm gonna be mad. Not specifically, I'm not gonna do that. But it, <laughs> you're, you know, you're not gonna feel the best. But once you get over that hump and your body adapts, then you start reaping the positives. You know, you know clear focus, lack of brain fog, um, those come into play. But if you don't give something a chance to work, that's never gonna come. Hey Stefano, I found this fat burner online that says I can burn between 20 and 30 pounds of fat in the next six weeks. What would you tell me to do? Turn around. <laughs> um, so those those things I do not I don't don't believe in those claims. They definitely work, but the way that they made those claims is whoever took that fat burning pill, they probably put into a calorie deficit, like Mike mentioned earlier. So fat burners can help supplement, but all that does is really kind of raises your internal body temperature, um, depending on what's in it. Um, again, take one as a supplement with a healthy diet. So if you're not eating right, you're not working out correctly, you're not doing your cardio, you're not doing different things like that, it's not gonna help you at all. So if you're just taking a pill, just like the creatine that we mentioned, I'm gonna take this pill and body fat's just gonna fall off my body. That's never gonna happen. Sorry to burst anybody's bubble there. Yeah, not to mention, I've read things that said that they hire fitness models to take the after picture and then they pay them to gain weight. So they swap them. The before is actually the after, and the after is actually the before. Mm -hmm. That's If that's not sick, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. But that's what they do, and they, they deliberately do it to mislead people. So that means if you are going to deal with any type of supplements, make sure you find a reputable source, reputable products, and make sure you know exactly what's in it. Stay away from the proprietary blends. Make sure you know what's in it. Because mm -hmm. then at least you can make an educated choice whether or not you want to put that stuff in your body. That is my biggest pet peeve when it comes to supplements is when you go to buy something and you're like, oh, it has this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient, that's what I'm looking for, but it's all in one blend. And it might say like, oh, there's five grams. Okay, well, what? how much is in there? You have 10 ingredients in here and one, one ingredient alone might need five grams. So, what, so two grams is left for the rest of the stuff that I want. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's my biggest pet peeve. I cannot stand. When I see a, a supplement with like a like a proprietary blend, I just, I won't buy it because Run. you don't even know, sometimes you don't even know how much caffeine is in it and your body has a limit of how much caffeine it can handle before you keel over. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's about 400 to 800 milligrams is what is ideal for most people a day. Mm -hmm. That doesn't take into consideration people that are caffeine sensitive, 
Mm -hmm. um, but you know, 400, 800. So when you're getting 350 at a pop, you got to be very careful the rest of the day that you don't go above that. Uh, my last point on the fat burner is if you have high blood pressure, cholesterol, any family history of heart attack, stroke, anything like that, <laughs> avoid fat burners. Avoid copious amounts of caffeine. Caffeine is great if you're perfectly healthy. My general rule is not to put age on this, but most of my clients over 55, I don't recommend caffeine sources. If they choose to do it on their own, that's great, but not something I would recommend. You just you get to that point where it's it's just law of diminishing returns. Is it worth the adrenal stress and the stress of my body to put that much extra caffeine into my system? Yes or no? Something that you have to live with the choice. So that's, that's very important there. I agree. So we're gonna wrap this up shortly, but I decided that we're gonna do something a little fun here since Stefano and I kind of had a clue what questions we were gonna go into except the ones that you guys brought up. But since Stefano's here, and Stefano and I are friends outside of the gym, but what I wanted to ask you is, do you have any specific movies and or music that fire you up? Because the big question that has been coming through here today and on all the comments that we put out prior to this was how do you guys maintain your motivation? Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, I can speak for both of us, we love working out. Like that's something that is exclusive to us because we were both athletes and that's just kind of stuck with us. But movies, music, or particular ways you get yourself fired up and we're gonna let him close out the show. Stefano, thank you for coming. Thank you. So, movies. I don't really have any specific movies that get me like pumped up. I mean, I've just, I've recently started binge watching like all of the Marvel movies. So they're like big superhero movies. There's a lot of explosions and intensity and drama. So I mean, I guess I could say that that's just been getting me pumped up as like, I see these people running around doing crazy things. And I was like, wow, I just really want to do that. Um, <laughs> but as, as far as music, um, I listen to everything, but for me, when I'm going into the gym and I'm really trying to focus in on a workout, sometimes I start, like if I'm on a treadmill, I might put on like a video on YouTube that has like, you know, like that motivational style music in the background. It's like a video about like the type of workout I'm about to do. Um, or I'm a big fan and I, I think Mike can attest to this too. I'm a big fan of like heavier, like metal, like getting into like, like death metal, things like oh, that. Yeah. So it's like heavier music. So it's really heavy. It's really fast. So that kind of like gets me going in that aspect. But I also have the other end of the spectrum. I do enjoy like things like, you know, like, like rap and like, you know, different things like that. So it all depends on the mood I'm in, but you have, you have to find what gets you going. So, I mean, if I, if I sit here, some people like classical music. Sometimes I can't really kind of sit down and get ready for a workout with that. Um, maybe to get me focused, but as far as motivation goes, that doesn't really help me out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Check back next month where we're going to have uh, Trainer James on here. Uh, I think it's November, October 19th. So look for the links for those and get your comments in. And thank you for all the support. We love you guys. Thank See you guys next so time. much. Peace.